the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. All righty then. Welcome, everyone. Welcome aboard this edition of the Bible Live broadcast. We're going to continue our way now through the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament. And, of course, our Wisdom and Worship segment will continue our way through the Proverbs. I am so grateful you're along with us and just want you to get a sense of why we listen to the Bible, why this is so important. It's not just because it's a famous, well-known religious book, not for superstitious reasons, Quite often, the people of Israel fell into superstition mode, just going through the motions, keeping the festival days, keeping up the sacrifices, but mixing it with something else, with entertainment mentality, with the religions of the peoples that were around them, or with convenient morality, convenient to them, but totally and absolutely against God's laws. Well, that's not what the Bible Live is here to do. We're not just trying to present a religious program on the station and appease your religious sensitivities. The Bible Live is here because it tells the truth about our lives. The Bible is a book written over a period of 1,400 years, 40 different authors, times of peace, times of war, times of plenty, times of scarcity. And it covers the lives of people from individual lives to couples to families, parents and children, and every aspect of human existence. And it tells the truth about our lives, about what's going on down here. Haven't you often wondered that? We can get caught up in all the details of life, food, clothing, getting this and getting that, being entertained and being comfortable, having fun and all that we think of as life. But what is it really all about? Well, this book tells us about the true and living God, the creator of everything that exists, why he has designed the world like it is, what his plan for us is. 
I hope that you are catching that, particularly now that we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah himself, this long-promised, long-awaited Redeemer. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 3 tonight, and I hope you'll stay with us to hear that reading. Right now, though, let's go to the aforementioned Proverbs chapter 3 and finish up that particular chapter. These nuggets of wisdom from a God-centered worldview. The Bible Live. Proverbs 3, verses 27 through 35. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Do not plot against your neighbors, for they trust you. Don't make accusations against someone who hasn't wronged you. Do not envy violent people. Don't copy their ways. Such wicked people are an abomination to the Lord, but he offers his friendship to the godly. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but his blessing is on the home of the upright. The Lord mocks at mockers, but he shows favor to the humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools are put to shame. End of reading, Proverbs 3, 27 through 35. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. A new song. All right, we are back. Ready to pick up now in the Gospel of Luke. We just began the Gospel of Luke yesterday, right? Thank you very much, Brian. We're going to pick up tonight in Chapter 3. This is the most comprehensive of the four Gospels. A lot of stories. It covers a lot of ground. In chapters 1 and 2, it's the birth of Messiah. It tells the background, the visits of the angels to both Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of John the Baptist. And then, of course, the angel Gabriel being sent to Mary and Joseph, letting them know about what's going on, what's happening. Then we have the birth of Messiah, that moment in history when God himself stepped into the human race, into time and space, carrying out the redemptive plan of God. Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from before the foundations of the world, but it did have to take place in time and space. There had to be a moment when it really happened, and it did. Predicted and prophesied, we knew it was coming, and we have been able to watch this great miracle. Now tonight we're going to pick up again with John the Baptist, not about his miraculous birth to parents that were barren and so on, but about John the Baptist's ministry, the miraculous, very successful ministry he has, and then turns right over to Jesus the Messiah, points his disciples and others to the Messiah. That was his purpose, the Bible life. Luke 3, 1 through 539. Luke 3. It was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over Ituria and Trachonitis. Lysanias was ruler over Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living out in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had turned from their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare a pathway for the Lord's coming. Make a straight road for him. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. Here is a sample of John's preaching to the crowds that came for baptism. You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee God's coming judgment? 
Prove by the way you live that you have really turned from your sins and turned to God. Don't just say, we're safe, we're the descendants of Abraham. That proves nothing. God can change these stones here into children of Abraham. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever your roots. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowd asked, What should we do? John replied, If you have two coats, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? Show your honesty, he replied. Make sure you collect no more taxes than the Roman government requires you to. What should we do, asked some soldiers. John replied, Don't extort money and don't accuse people of things you know they didn't do, and be content with your pay. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to be his slave. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the grain with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, storing the grain in his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs he had done. So Herod put John in prison, adding this sin to his many others. One day, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my beloved Son, and I am fully pleased with you. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Heli. Heli was the son of Mathat. Mathat was the son of Levi. Levi was the son of Melchi. Melchi was the son of Janai. Janai was the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Mattathias. Mattathias was the son of Amos. Amos was the son of Naum. Naum was the son of Esli. Esli was the son of Nagai. Nagai was the son of Maath. Maath was the son of Mattathias. Mattathias was the son of Semain. Semain was the son of Josic. Josic was the son of Jodah. Jodah was the son of Joanan. Joanan was the son of Risa. Risa was the son of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the son of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the son of Neri. Neri was the son of Melchi. Melchi was the son of Adi. Adi was the son of Kosam. Kosam was the son of Elmadam. Elmadam was the son of Er. Er was the son of Joshua. Joshua was the son of Eliezer. Eliezer was the son of Jorim. Jorim was the son of Mathat. Mathat was the son of Levi. Levi was the son of Simeon. Simeon was the son of Judah. Judah was the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jonam. Jonam was the son of Eliakim. Eliakim was the son of Malaya. Malaya was the son of Mena. Mena was the son of Mattathah. Mattathah was the son of Nathan. Nathan was the son of David. David was the son of Jesse. Jesse was the son of Obed. Obed was the son of Boaz. Boaz was the son of Salmon. Salmon was the son of Nashon. Nashon was the son of Aminadab. Aminadab was the son of Admin. Admin was the son of Arni. Arni was the son of Hezron. Hezron was the son of Perez. Perez was the son of Judah. Judah was the son of Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. Abraham was the son of Terah. 
Terah was the son of Nahor. Nahor was the son of Serug. Serug was the son of Reu. Reu was the son of Peleg. Peleg was the son of Eber. Eber was the son of Shelah. Shelah was the son of Kainan. Kainan was the son of Arphashad. Arphashad was the son of Shem. Shem was the son of Noah. Noah was the son of Lamech. Lamech was the son of Methuselah. Methuselah was the son of Enoch. Enoch was the son of Jared. Jared was the son of Mahalalel. Mahalalel was the son of Kenan. Kenan was the son of Enosh. Enosh was the son of Seth. Seth was the son of Adam. Adam was the son of God. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Luke 4. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit to go out into the wilderness, where the devil tempted him for forty days. He ate nothing all that time and was very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, change this stone into a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people need more than bread for their life. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world. In a moment of time, the devil told him, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus replied, The scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God. Serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he orders his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, Do not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Soon he became well known throughout the surrounding country. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll containing the messages of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll to the place where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. Everyone in the synagogue stared at him intently. Then he said, This scripture has come true today before your very eyes. All who were there spoke well of him, and were amazed by the gracious words that fell from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said, Probably you will quote me that proverb, Physician, heal yourself. Meaning, why don't you do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum? But the truth is, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly there were many widows in Israel who needed help in Elijah's time, when there was no rain for three and a half years and hunger stalked the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a widow of Zarephath, a foreigner in the land of Sidon. Or think of the prophet Elisha who healed Naaman, a Syrian, rather than the many lepers in Israel who needed help. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and took him to the edge of the hill on which the city was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he slipped away through the crowd and left them. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 
Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at the things he said, because he spoke with authority. Once, when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon began shouting at Jesus, Go away! Why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Be silent, he told the demon. Come out of the man. The demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Then it left him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power this man's words possess! Even evil spirits obey him and flee at his command. The story of what he had done spread like wildfire throughout the whole region. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he spoke to the fever, rebuking it, and immediately her temperature returned to normal. She got up at once and prepared a meal for them. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed every one. Some were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, You are the Son of God! But because they knew he was the Messiah, he stopped them and told them to be silent. Early the next morning, Jesus went out into the wilderness. The crowd searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other places too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around, preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. Luke 5. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets, and you will catch many fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll try again. And this time their nets were so full they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the size of their catch, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he fell to the ground, face down in the dust, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you want to, you can make me well again. Jesus reached out and touched the man. I want to, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, Go right to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy, so everyone will have proof of your healing. Yet despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. 
but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to push through the crowd to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him. So they went up to the roof, took off some tiles, and lowered the sick man down into the crowd, still on his mat right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Who does this man think he is? The Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to each other. This is blasphemy. Who but God can forgive sins? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you think this is blasphemy? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven? Or, get up and walk. I will prove that I, the Son of Man, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, take your mat, and go on home, because you are healed. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped to his feet, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, saying over and over again, We have seen amazing things today. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collection booth. Come, be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Soon Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests were there, but the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call sinners to turn from their sins, not to spend my time with those who think they are already good enough. The religious leaders complained that Jesus' disciples were feasting instead of fasting. John the Baptist's disciples always fast and pray, they declared, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are yours always feasting? Jesus asked, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Someday he will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be torn, and the patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. The new wine would burst the old skins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be put into new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the fresh and the new. The old is better, they say. End of reading Luke 3, 1 through 5, 39. Listening to God's talk show, The Bible Live. All right. I took down a page full of notes as I listened to the scriptures tonight. As I said to you earlier, this is not just sort of a religious tome, a superstitious book that we're just listening for commands. This is a real person living in a real context with real family and real relationships and real pressures. He's speaking in a specific time and place to this particular people group in Israel. 
They are being oppressed militarily, culturally, socially by the Roman Empire. And so you hear both John the Baptist and Jesus speaking into that context, their world. This is not just religious pronouncements, moral cliches that are being given out here. Now, we saw the beginning of the ministry of John the Baptist. He speaks to the corrupt tax collectors. He speaks to the Roman soldiers. He speaks to everyone. He is preaching to all people, not just to the Jews. This passage from Isaiah is quoted, chapter 40. When the Messiah comes, all people will see the salvation sent from God. This was always a part of the vision and the passion for the Jewish people to understand that if they would lend themselves to his purposes, that they would be a witness, a light to the nations around them of the true and living God, not false gods, not idols, but the true and living God, a light to the nations, a light to the entire world. That's a tremendous privilege. By God's grace, it's not because the Jewish people were so good or so religious or so worthy of such a blessing, but by his grace, they were called to be a picture of God's people. Now, this was a corrupt society. There were tax collectors who were Jewish citizens who had given themselves over to the Roman power, authority over them. And they would usually take more money than was actually required. And so John simply tells them, don't feather your nest. Don't take more money than you are required to take. The Roman soldiers. Now, these may not be Roman soldiers. It just says soldiers here. They may be Jewish temple police to us, our police force, those who keep the order here domestically. He said to them, don't extort money from people. Don't falsely accuse people. Don't use your power wrongly over people and be content with your pay. That's something that would be amazing. Our first responders, being content with your pay. Someone should maybe tell our unions that. Then you see the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Satan is trying to get Jesus to act on his own initiative, his own prerogative, his own authority and power as the Son of God, instead of waiting and depending and trusting and obeying the Father. In that way, Satan would try to eliminate Jesus from being our mediator. He couldn't keep Jesus from being God's Son. That would be impossible. But he could try to eliminate him from being our mediator by getting him to act outside of the yoke of faith, outside of obedience and submission to the Father. So much in this passage that could be commented upon and preached upon, as all the preachers out there are seeing for sure. Notice when Jesus went to his hometown, to Nazareth, there is a historical detail here that is missing, but it really shows how Luke was a superb historian. In the synagogues, they were to read a portion from Moses, the Torah first, and then a companion reading from the prophets. But it was outlawed by the Romans to read the Torah publicly. So that's why you have Jesus only reading this passage from Isaiah 61. And of course, he uses it very beautifully to show his purpose and to make his messianic claim clear to the people of his hometown. See you next time on The Bible Life. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. 
Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word.